Are you ready for some high adventure coming up next on the Mutual Audio Network? The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Once again, Decoder Ring Theater presents another page from the casebook of that master of mystery, that sultan of sleuthing, Martin Bracknell's immortal detective, Black Jack Justice, starring Christopher Mott as Jack and Andrea Lyons as Trixie Dixon, girl detective. The name's Dixon, Trixie Dixon, girl detective. It is something less than entirely accurate to suggest that the life of a private detective was an unpredictable thing. Technically, you could take a wild guess that at any given moment on any given day, a girl detective might be resting quietly upon her famously fabulous derriere while seated behind her desk. It was a pretty good pitch to hit, and you'd be right more often than not, and we both know it. But at the same time, other more conventional career choices that might feature more evenly distributed cycles of activity never even approached the infinite variety of detective work. If you rolled the dice and lost, and did not find me perched delicately within my gilded cage, there was no telling where I was or what I could be doing. I might be peeking in some windows, or running for my life, or in a good car chase or shootout, and almost certainly looking fabulous while I did it. All of this I found good. But the thing that was fairly predictable was that all of this variety seemed to flow within the banks of carefully planned financial restraint. Our fees usually met at the corner of Diddley and Squat, if you will forgive me for saying so, and probably even if you won't. But every once in a while, opportunity burst through the door, reeking of the mistaken impression that too much cologne could make up for a laundry list of other failings in a man. This is the story of one of those times. Old Square John and I were busy engaged counting the raindrops on our window panes and ignoring the telephone when the door burst open and five foot five of dark suit and musk burst in. Hey, don't answer that phone. What? I mean it. Don't answer the phone, or I'll find myself another detective. See, this puts me in a real difficult spot, because I would prefer that you understand that I am not the kind of detective that responds well to miniature blowhards throwing their weight around. Now see here... On the other hand, I was ignoring the telephone before you came in, and I have been asked to work on being less deliberately contrary. By everybody. As you say. So I am going to continue to ignore the telephone and hope that it soon... Ah, there we go. Won't you come in, Mr... Green. Horace Green. Albright Insurance. Ah, good. An insurance salesman. I should have answered the phone. Why were you ignoring the phone? It's a girl who does surveys. How do you know that? She calls every day at this time. What? We think she likes Jack's voice. He was cute for a while. Now it isn't. Jack's voice is his best quality. Thank you, he said, expecting an immediate slap. It's the quality most easily appreciated without seeing Jack's face. And there it is. So, uh, you ignore it every day? Only for the last week and a half. And only at this time. But what if it was someone else? It wasn't. And you didn't want us to answer it anyway. Yeah, but... Uh... What am I, Pavlov's dog? I have to answer a telephone just because someone makes a bell ring? Well, I... I didn't... Not really in need of a policy, Mr. Green. Uh, what's that? Insurance. I don't know much about it, but we don't need any. Uh, now, now, hang on a minute. Not that we don't want any, exactly. More that there are thousands of things that we want more that we also can't afford, but thank you for stopping by. Now, hang on a darn minute. Did you give the bum's rust to every client that walks in this door? No, only the... Wait, did I miss something there? The word client? Yeah, that was it. Can you give us a little spin, Mr. Green? What? Spin. When you turn your back, we'll be ever so much more professional. 
Come on, just a little one. Well, I... It seems a little bit... There. Welcome to Justice and Dixon, Mr. Green. He's Justice, I'm Dixon, but you can call me Trixie. Coffee, Mr. Green? Well, I... Jack, would you get Mr. Green a cup of... Already on it. There we go, Mr. Green. Nice and black, or would you rather ruin it? Uh, Black is fine. Excellent. What is it? Nothing. He's waiting for you to try it. He's very house proud. Well, I I don't see why. Say, that's good. Uh Uh-huh. It's not bad, anyway. Uh Uh-huh. What is it? I deduce, my dear Mr. Green, that you are a man given to understatement. What makes you say that? Because that is a special dark roast with a smooth edge provided by some Costa Rica and a handful of some very, very dark beans from Africa that gave the entire blend that see-through time quality. It is very much better than not that bad. I think you two might have been normal for about 20 seconds there. I still am. You? You're a leggy blonde girl sassmouth of a detective. Yes, but that's normal for me. And there were too many adjectives in that sentence. Won't you have a seat? Thank you. What can we do for you, Mr. Green? As I mentioned, I represent the Albright Insurance Company of Pawtucket, Rhode Island. But I'm not a salesman, Mr. Justice. Though, 20 years ago, I was a pretty good one. And what does a pretty good salesman turn into after 20 years in his cocoon? Senior Vice President for Investigations. You're an insurance investigator? Not exactly, Miss Dixon. Though, 15 years ago, I was the best on the East Coast. This is fascinating. It's like a little career retrospective right here for us. I guess it is. Today I oversee a small but industrious staff of investigators, all of them company men, out to have my job when I'm through with it. We have a strong record when it comes to settling claims the old-fashioned way. Without paying out a dime. I can see you know something of the insurance business after all, Mr. Justice. Mm. While we can't solve the cases ourselves, I have the best freelancers in the business on call at the drop of a hat. Then what, if I may be so bold, brings you to our door, Mr. Green? Uh, What's that? I am not a girl known for excessive modesty, but we are not insurance investigators of any kind. We are general-purpose private detectives. Are we being called in because the specialist couldn't handle the job? Yes, young lady. That is more or less exactly what is happening right now. Oh, I was kind of kidding. I could tell. Two months and 22 days ago, Henry Absalom passed away. Absalom? The shipping tycoon. The same. Never been sick a day in his life, but at his age, his luck was bound to give out sooner or later. Two months and 18 days ago, his family discovered, while making an inventory of his estate, that the Absalom pearls were missing. Not the Absalom pearls. You've heard of them. Not at all. Though I would be prepared to guess that they were pearls and that they belonged to the Absalom family. As it happens, you're right. Mm. Except that it leaves out the fact that this particular string of pearls are about as close to perfect as you'll ever likely see, and that they have been in the Absalom family since at least 1798, when they were, so the legend goes, a gift from the Emperor of China. Does that seem particularly likely? I am not a historian, though it strikes me as much more likely that they were acquired in trade from a Chinese pirate who stole them from the emperor, if indirectly. That doesn't matter. After 150 years or so, a good story is as close to the truth as anyone needs. That's deep. You should write greeting cards. What are the pearls worth? Always difficult to predict what jewelry will actually sell for, Everything is only worth what somebody will pay for it. But in a legal auction on the open market, they might fetch more than $50,000. That's a lot of clams, if you'll forgive the obvious pun. Clams don't make pearls, Jack. I know that. 
Wait, what? Oysters. I know that. What's the difference? I don't want to talk about this. She doesn't know either. Uh, the point is that there are two values at play here. The actual value and the insured value. The latter being of far greater interest to the Albright Insurance Company of Pawtucket, Rhode Island. In a nutshell. And that other, much more arbitrary value would be... A quarter million dollars. Great Caesar's ghost. Yes. That is uh, sort of how I feel. Why would the company walk so far out on a limb like that? Absalom's personal estate is worth hundreds of millions of dollars. His business interests are far greater than that. Albright has represented both for three generations. Those pearls are the great family treasure. They loom large in the Absalom legend. Every time the policies came up for review, the Absaloms upped the policy a little more. It wouldn't have seemed like anything at the time. And now it seems like kind of a big deal. You know what? It really does. The Absalom's policy demands that we pay them within three months of its discovery. That leaves us with something like 12 days. Seems kind of obvious what happened, didn't it? Somebody who knew about the value of the policy decided that a quarter of a million was better than 50 grand and did what they did. And that's where we started. But it doesn't make a great deal of sense. Those pearls weren't promised to any one individual. They were part of a general estate. There are dozens of heirs, each with different bequests. Uh, but the insurance payment won't put more than $10,000 into any individual's pockets. And that isn't a lot of money anymore? Not if you're an Absalom. Look, this is the angle my men and I have spent months on, and the top freelance men out there. I can leave you copies of our reports, but I'm not hiring you to go over the same old ground. You're not? I asked around for a small agency that could look at things in a different light. Somebody local who could maybe find something that had slipped through the cracks. Everybody I talked to said that you do. They did? Were they mistaken? No, I just didn't think everybody liked us quite that much. Or anyone, for that matter. Well, if you can save my company a cool quarter million, I'd like you just fine. I got a lot of men on this case already, and I can't possibly go over 85 a day. Dollars? Ow! We grudgingly accept, Mr. Green. Plus expenses. Well, of course. If you recover the pearls before my three months runs out, your finder's fee is... Uh, 10%? Of what? Of the insured value of the pearls, of course. 10 per. Ooh. Is she okay? As she is not an Absalom, Mr. Green, your offer will have to do. Uh, let's see if we have any carbon paper and I'll draw up a contract. Got one right here. Just sign the dotted line and get to work. You're in the big time at last. You are listening to Blackjack Justice from DecoderRingTheater.com. It seemed like a simple enough matter. Find out which of the surviving Absaloms had helped themselves to the Emperor's pearls and get them back. I've never been much of the gather the suspects in the library kind of detective, but for 25 grand, I was willing to learn on the job. There were two problems with this that I could see from the outset. Problem the first. We were making the best day rate of our lives and looked to have nearly two weeks of it to look forward to, and I couldn't get my mind off a commission we had less than a snowball's chance at mostly because of problem two, which was that the ground was pretty well picked clean by every insurance investigator within a 500-mile radius. The facts were thus. The Absalom Pearls had spent the last decade in a vault in Henry Absalom's study. 
They were much prized by the extended family, and many of the female of the line believed that they had been allowed to wear them on at least one social occasion. Crandall, Henry Absalom's long-standing gentleman's gentleman, who was, one presumed, later walled up in his master's burial tomb along with other treasures which would be required in the afterlife, was prepared to swear that none of this was true. According to Crandall, the pearls had not been seen publicly since the death of Mrs. Henry Absalom eight and a half years earlier, and what had been worn was, in fact, a nearly perfect copy of the originals that had been made some years before. In fact, the pearls in the safe were only examined closely when the copies couldn't be found and the switcheroo was discovered. The good thing was, this restricted the list of suspects to those who had access to the study the vault was in, and it was a short list. The bad news was that every insurance investigator within a 500-mile radius had the same list, and had written a report on same to go with his action-packed expense account. As we had read through the mountain of paperwork, it became clear that this was going to require a different approach. A little good old-fashioned legwork. And we had long ago learned that the best way to do that was to get someone else to do it for you. Remind me again, why am I doing this? Lunch. Expense account. Burritos. Burritos. That's uh, Mexican food. Sure. There's a new place on Jane Street. I went to Mexico on my honeymoon. How was that? Not that bad, but only when compared to the rest of the marriage. I was sick as a dog. That's the water, not the food. How good can the food be if they can't even do water? This place will change your mind. No, it won't. Trust me, it's delicious. Think of them as uh, spicy sandwiches full of rice and beans. Do you see the volume of files on my desk? Do you think I wasted this much departmental time for rice and beans? You're on an expense account? I am. From an insurance company? Yes. No rice and beans. Steak. Sabian, I'm only thinking of your arteries. Steak or get out of my office and take my arteries with you. That could get messy. Perhaps I will stay. What do you got? I got a pile of nothing is what I got. Oh, come in, Dixon. So nice of you two to relocate your office to Police Plaza. It'll cut down on my commute the next time I have to throw your fannies in jail. Don't get hysterical. I'm only here for the burritos. The burritos are off. The flame-kissed dead cow is on. Steak? But I have my knuckles all lined up for Mexican. The cost of bribing a public official. Now what do you got? Me or him? Anyone. Surprise me. There isn't a fence in the city that would touch the Absalom pearls, now or later. They've got papers out on them. Serious papers. I doubt they could find an underground buyer anywhere in the country, and if they did, it would be somebody so small-time and stupid that they could never pay what you'd want if you'd gone to the good time and trouble to lift Great Uncle Henry's pretties in the first place. You telling me you talk to every fence in town? No, I talk to their unelected president. And who is that? Professional courtesy, Sabian. Professional courtesy. Suffice to say, he has a childlike confidence that if he keeps making with the goods, sooner or later I will respond in kind. He's telling the truth. The pearls were missing for a while before anyone noticed. Any chance they were sold then? Well, there's always a chance. But nobody wants to buy something they can't sell, and these babies are too unique to do a lot of blending in. Maybe your thief had a buyer before he did the deed. Those pearls could be anywhere in the world by now. Maybe. But if they are, it doesn't help me any, so let's assume that they aren't. Let's assume that whoever lifted them still has them. Maybe they don't know how to sell them. Maybe they knew they wouldn't get them in the will and wanted them. Doesn't matter. They have them. All we need to do is figure out which them they are. And for this, we have lots and lots of background checks. Right, Sabian? Huh? That's your cue, Bright Eyes. 
Oh, uh, yeah, all right. Uh, we got checks on every member of the extended Absalom family known or believed to have access to Henry Absalom's office. Well, that's quite a stack of files. How'd you get them this fast? Crackerjack police work. How'd you really get them? This is a major crime committed just down the highway from us. You steak-wheedling creep. You were already on this case. Not us. Absalom Estate is in Westfield County. It's their headache. But with this many investigators requesting this many background checks, well, let's just say there was already a stack of these down in records when I walked in to make my request. Uh, who was supposed to get these, and what were they being shook down for? It's part of our job to assist legitimate investigators in their fields of inquiry. So how come we're on the hook for lunch? Should I do that line again and stress legitimate more? Skip it. Anything good in all this? Does it matter? From the sound of it, every other gun on this case has requested these same checks and come up zeros. Yeah, because they're not idiots, Jack. I bet some of them also found an obliging banker who would check their credit and discover that none of the Absalom heirs is secretly poor. How'd you do that? Because it sounds slightly illegal. Surprisingly legal-ish. Former client, owed us a favor. Jack also had Freddie the Finger put his ear to the ground and confirm that none of the major players is holding a marker under the name... Absalom. So they don't gamble, or at least they don't gamble and lose. Which means they don't gamble. And they aren't in debt up to their eyeballs, and there aren't more than a couple of black sheep. Black sheep are good. I like black sheep. You'll hate these. Louise Absalom is a bit of a lush. She's got three reckless driving charges, but the worst she's ever done is murder a tree in the process. Cecil Absalom's been charged with indecent exposure twice, but not in the last ten years. And Nigel Absalom has a juvie record, but given that he is now 58 years old, I am disinclined to wake up a judge to get that unsealed. That is the sum total of the Absalom's brushes with the law. And it gets worse. Ain't a single one of them with a reasonable prospect of having the skills required to crack the combination on that safe. Which leaves us where? Which leaves us nowhere. I sense that your partner would really like to win this one. It only took someone waving a big pile of money at him for him to start caring. That is not true. All right, it probably is. There are a lot of hired hands in on this one. Wouldn't you rather be the one who did what they can't? Professional pride? Who are you and what have you done with Jack Justice? This doesn't seem like a nice little puzzle to you. A locked safe, a pilfered treasure, and nobody in sight with a decent motive, a criminal background, or the talent to have done the deed. You wouldn't feel nicely clever if we solved this thing. The 25 grand is just icing. It's the puzzle that's too good to be true. Yeah, well, and it probably is. Probably is what? Sorry, old saying. You usually like those. What old saying? Are you having some kind of stroke? Forget I said anything! You, you said it seemed too good to be true. I said it probably was, is all. Yeah. Yeah. I smell wires burning in that meaty cranium of yours. Sabian, you're a genius. You're damn right I am. Okay, why? Come on, Trix. We should really go talk to a butler. No, we should really go talk to a ribeye. Maybe whisper sweet nothings in its ear for a while. You're a sick man. Yes, but I am shortly to be a well-fed sick man. Get your purse. I could tolerate Jack's hunches up to a point. He liked to keep quiet about them as he mulled them over dreamily, and that was just fine with me, because it kept his mouth shut for a while, which was something of a minor miracle in itself. But the drive to Westfield County and the Absalom estate within was a little bit long to know nothing more than that we were hoping to unearth Henry Absalom's ancient butler, Crandall. 
Fortunately, the sweet cocktail of silence, ignorance, and red meat provided the needed tonic for my boredom, and I took a little nap in the car. Coffee, Miss Dixon. Oh, thank you, Mr. Crandall. I could use it. I expect the hours kept by a private detective are wearying. Best to pep up a bit. She's got plenty of pep. She was snoring like a chainsaw 20 minutes ago. I see, sir. Your coffee, Mr. Justice. Thank you, Crandall. Always keen to see how the other half lives. Does it disappoint, sir? Only a little, but that is high praise coming from me. Thank you, sir. You shouldn't be bringing us things, Crandall. Aren't you retired from service? Very soon, Miss Dixon. I am given to understand that I have been remembered in Mr. Absalom's will and will not need to work again. Though I confess I don't quite know what I shall do with myself. In the meantime, I am still employed by the estate, Miss Dixon, until such time as the will can be read and the assets distributed. This matter of the pearls has delayed things somewhat, but it is not inconvenient to me. About the pearls, Crandall. Yes, sir. I can only tell you what I have told all of the others. No, thank you. Uh, Sir? You told it to them, and it didn't do them any good either. Everyone is convinced that the Absalom pearls disappeared in the four days between the death of your master and the discovery of their replacement with the imitation strand. Yes, sir. I can provide you with a complete list of everyone who had access to the study in that time. I know you can, but it's useless. None of them had a need for secret money and fast. None of them had the contacts needed to fence the pearls, and for that matter, none of them did fence the pearls. All of them valued the family artifact and the standing it conveyed more than they did the real value of the necklace, and while we're on the subject, none of them could have opened the vault even if they didn't. Uh, yes, sir. It is a mystery, sir. No, Crandall. I think I know who stole the Absalom pearls. Oh, do tell us, Holmes. There's a good chap. Henry Absalom himself. We drove all the way out here for this. Crandall, how many people even knew of the existence of the replacement strand? Very few, sir. It was Mr. Absalom's wishes that his female relations have the impression that they were wearing the genuine strand upon special occasions. And where did Absalom keep the phonies? I do not know, sir. He would produce them for me to provide to the ladies upon considered request. And the real strand had not been lent out since the death of Mrs. Absalom? After a long and lingering illness, yes, sir. Her death was very painful to the master. I expect he could not bear to see another wear the pearls. Hmm. If I read the reports right, the theft was only discovered when you mentioned the existence of the phony pearls to one of the lawyers, and they searched for them and came up empty. Yes, sir. Then the strand in the safe was examined closely, and the substitution was discovered. Is it possible that the phony pearls were kept in the safe? That no substitution had been made at all? Well, I suppose, sir. But then, why did the master never notice the theft of the genuine strand? Because he's the one who took them in the first place, Crandall. The only one with unfettered access to an item that would not be missed by anyone else. Henry Absalom. You're off your tree. I'm afraid I must concur with the young lady, sir. The master was an exceedingly wealthy man with no reason to steal from himself. So he gave them away. In secret, a favorite niece, a charity, a young lady of the female persuasion, you name it. I do not mean to discourage you, sir, 
But Henry Absalom was not that kind of man. There was, I dare say, only one person for whom he ever felt that kind of tenderness, and she has been gone for more than eight years. Of course. Perfect. Sir? Tell me about Mrs. Absalom. Mrs. Ferguson? Trixie Dixon, we spoke on the phone. Yes, come in, Miss Dixon. Is it all right if my partner waits in your driveway? He felt two of us might be intimidating, and he has a soft spot where nurses are concerned. That's nice to hear. He's fine there. Thank you. I was just having tea. Would you care for some? Not for me, thanks, but you go ahead. I just had a few questions. You said on the phone you were working for the Absalom family. Well, yes, ma'am. Well, indirectly, I suppose. You spent some time there eight or nine years ago, didn't you? What's this? I assume it's what you're here for. The pearl necklace. Okay. You kind of sucked the wind out of my investigative sails when you, um... Okay, just... Sorry, I'm caught up now. I spent five months at Catherine Absalom's bedside. I was her nurse, but there wasn't a great deal of medicine involved. We were all just waiting. It's like that sometimes. Some day she was strong, some day she was not. We talked. I made her as comfortable as I could. You became close? She was a dear, and she was very brave. When the end was very near, she talked a lot about wanting to give me something. I tried to make it clear that it wasn't necessary. We aren't supposed to. We aren't supposed to take gifts. It isn't done. It invites abuse. But things were very difficult for my family then, and she knew it. Before the end came, I accepted her gift. To make her happy. I tried to. I tried to give it back to her husband, but he wouldn't have it. He was not a warm man, but he loved her dearly. He was shattered. He wouldn't take the necklace back. Gave me this letter to confirm that it was a gift. This is... This looks... Forgive me, this isn't how things usually work for me. Ever. Me either. I told Mr. Absalom that I would hold the necklace for him until he realized that he wanted it back. I told him that I could never accept something like this. He insisted. He said that... Well, he said some very kind things that I won't bother to repeat. I tucked the necklace away and tried very hard not to think about it until you called. You never thought about selling it? (laughs) Only every day for a while. As I say, things were very difficult for a time. They're much better now. But even when things were at their worst, this necklace would have never brought in so much money that it would have been okay if I was finished as a nurse. And so it stayed in a drawer, waiting for today. And we solved our own problems as best we could. Did old Mr. Absalom pass on? He did, without ever letting on about the pearls. Everyone thought they were in a safe. Well, now they can be again. I don't think it's as simple as that. This letter says the necklace is yours. I can't accept it. And even if I tried to keep it, 
How could I sell it with the family looking for it? Because it's yours. This letter says so. And would the family just accept that? Or would they send lawyers and lots of them? <laughs> How could I compete with that? In the end, they'd have their necklace back and I wouldn't be a nurse anymore. I have my pride, Miss Dixon, and my integrity. I have worked too long and too hard to sacrifice them now. All right, that's fair. But when my partner and I take this back to the Absaloms, we're due a finder's fee in the neighborhood of $25,000. I know my partner won't take this from you unless you agree to be a silent partner on that action, no questions asked. He has, as I may have mentioned, a soft spot where nurses are concerned. I have told you, Miss Dixon, I do not want nor can I accept any money or gifts from the Absalom family? Well, this would actually be from the Albright Insurance Company of Pawtucket, Rhode Island, whom you have just saved a cool quarter of a mill. Insurance? A horse of a different color? If you're asking if I could sleep at night if I took money from those bastards, yes, Miss Dixon, I do believe that I could. <laughs> That's my girl. And there it was, dear friends. We looked like a pair of magicians, and never more so than when we refused to reveal where the pearls had been found. There was a check so pleasingly plump that we wouldn't have minded sharing it, were Nurse Ferguson only half as deserving as she was, and what was more, there seemed to be the promise of more cracks at the brass ring to come as word of our wondrous deeds spread amongst certain circles. And I guess sometimes it's just how it goes. Unpredictability itself made flesh, my friends. And that was a big time indeed. Blackjack Justice, episode 59, The Big Time, was written and directed by Greg Taylor and starred Christopher Mott and Andrea Lyons, with additional voices supplied by Greg Taylor, Clarissa Donetta-Landon, Gregory Z. Cook, and Robert Westgate. This recording and the story, characters, and situations depicted within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright. Until next time, remember... DecoderRingTheater.com is your address to adventure. In this time of COVID-19, CDC asks you keep your hands clean. Don't congregate and kindly shelter in place. Also wash your hands and don't touch your face. So use soap and water and grab a clean towel and don't be a Jonah. Prevent spread of Corona by washing your hands. Olay! This was a public service announcement from the Mutual Audio Network.